Hey, potential podcast listeners. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, then our sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, safe, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. After that, you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. Join the over 3 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com potential. That's betterhelp.com slash potential. Once again, that's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com potential. Take charge of your mental health with BetterHelp. And remember, know your potential. Reviewing the latest in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Tara Sokol, and join my always my co-host and fellow superhero. Chris Dewar. Today's episode, we're reviewing the latest chapter in the MCU, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. This is uh, based on the Marvel comics and a sequel of the Ant-Man, the third an- entry featuring character Scott Lang as Ant-Man and Hope Pym as the Wasp. So pretty, pretty excited about this. Uh, this has kind of been, you know, Chris and I, for the MCU fans, this is going into our phase four uh, you know, officially as we're kind of entering a new chapter. So now we're entering into phase five. Pretty excited because this is, you know, launching who would be eventually the big bad Kang uh, coming in. Just a warning, there will be spoilers. Spoiler warning. Well, Chris, why don't you start us off and give us a, a synopsis of the film? So following the events of Endgame, Scott has now become somewhat of a kind of celebrity if you will uh you know he's definitely found a new charm to being one of the key things that helps save the world from thanos and uh everything seems to be going well and then cassie is now kind of following her father's footsteps she's getting arrested for things and she along with her pseudo grandfather figure hank has been working on tech with the ants and stuff and she has found this device she's made this device that uh basically is like a beacon to the quantum realm our whole ant-man family is sucked down to the quantum realm when someone receives the message and this film heavily takes place in the quantum realm where they are at their wits end dealing with kang the conqueror um yes our new big bad played by jonathan majors this was yeah even when this film was announced and they were like okay we got our you know originally it was Phase four slate, and then eventually they they made the hard cut of Wakanda Forever will end phase four, Ant Man will start phase five. 
They said that Phase 5, or, you know, they said Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, that's going to introduce King the Conqueror. And even a lot of people were like, an Ant-Man movie is going to introduce King the Conqueror? Because yeah, Peyton Reed, who's directed all three Ant-Man movies, the first two Ant-Man movies, although they're enjoyable and they're fun, they are lower tier, if you will, of the MCU. In that they're not like ground-breaking, like huge earth-shattering type villains and you know it's not like an avengers level where ultron's about to blow up a whole planet or something no they're palate cleansers they're meant to be like a fun in-between movie that then the enjoyment is seeing how does scott lang interact with the avengers which we've seen that and it's been very funny to see him like you know dealing with captain america and all that stuff so for them to be like no we're going to take the third movie and it needs to be an avengers level high stakes movie dealing with the introduction for a big bad, the king, the conqueror, this variant that we met, one of the variants at the end of Loki, season one, and we're going to get another one, season two, that the one that is the big threat to fear is stuck in the quantum realm, and uh, Ant-Man's going to be dealing with him. So that was very interesting. And when the trailer started dropping, we kind of got the sense of like, oh, they get stuck down in the quantum realm, don't really have a way to get out, if they do something for him, he'll be able to get them out. But of course, maybe what he wants is to get out as well. And we know that's very bad. So, yeah, we have uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Uh, this movie's been heavily divided so far. And I think we definitely fall into that camp as well. This movie, which I feel like a lot of the MC movies have been, have been dealing with this issue lately. It's like three movies in one. It's like, it doesn't know what kind of movie it wants to mm-hmm. be. Yeah. This is kind of the problem with MCU Total now is this movie probably would have benefited more from just being a straight, almost like a sci-fi horror movie. He is very charismatic and maybe was could be more buddy-buddy. And then you find out that he is this twisted, evil conqueror character. The CGI element of this movie, which of course all looked great. Marvel has the money. It's like, we're in the middle of like, Dune meets Journey to the Center of the Earth meets Tron meets Star Wars. And it's just weird to be weird. I think that was kind of my issue with a lot of the Quantum Realm. And I didn't really care for like any of them. (laughs) I didn't care for like any of these characters that were the Quantum Realm people, if you will. I only cared for Kang. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What were your thoughts on the Quantum Realm as well? I mean, again, visually it was stunning. And I would almost want to see this again in 3D. Because I heard the 3D was pretty good. I saw it in straight, you know, 2D kind of format. But a lot of it just felt like we just want to be weird to be weird. Because it's an Ant-Man movie and it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. Well, here's the thing that I think what was great about Ant-Man was, like you said, it's like a Spider-Man. It's like... um like an Iron Man or something like that. It is, it is again, more central. It's, it's a more personal story. And I think that's what was great about Ant-Man. And then you had, although Paul Rudd is a comedian, he plays a bit of a straight man and there is other comedic elements, especially when you have like some of the characters that were not in this film are more of the comic relief. The issue with this one is you have all these characters. Everyone has, you know, something goofy or something funny to say. And then it kind of just it all. I didn't really feel for the Quanta realm area. It did feel like like we're going into a Star Wars planet. It felt just very like not Ant Man. It didn't feel MCU. Like you know, even with Guardians, mm-hmm. where that's in space and stuff. I, I okay, this is an MCU film. It's not Star Wars. 
Where this, I felt like I'm not even in an Ant-Man movie. I'm not even in a Marvel movie. That's what it felt like. Talk about all these films. There was no real development for really any characters. Um, so every film kind of Scott has, has grown from, you know, he was a con, you know, and his, his motivation is always to, to be a good dad and to be a hero in her eyes. And in the first two films, that's kind of what he gets. And then, you know, in his crossovers with, you know, Captain America and the Avengers, he really gets to to shine and be like, wow, I, I rose up from something, you know, so small. And, but then from this, he kind of doesn't, there does no transformation, Mm -hmm you know, we have all these characters and I know that they, uh, Peyton Reed already had, had someone else in mind when they cast Cassie. So they recast her, um, where the Russo brothers had someone else in the, uh, end game, but I didn't really feel a connection with some of these characters. You know, we had these really great parallels set up with Scott, his daughter, you know, them trying to work together. And then you have hope and her mother who had just got back from the quantum realm then got dusted, <laughs> then got back again. So not a lot of time has passed. So there was a good dynamic between the daughter relationship on both sides, but there's nothing there. And I didn't feel the connection. And, and speaking of hope, she's, you know, the title character, the wasp, she's in this movie like 10 minutes. It was yeah, really frustrating. Yeah. She's not in the movie much. Yeah. And the thing that was so, I, I keep seeing people post about this and bringing it up. If we all remember the end of Ant-Man and the wasp, in the post-credit scene, they're going into the quantum realm because they're trying to look for quantum particles. They're trying to, you know, whatever Scott's trying to do at that point. And then Thanos does his snap. Janet, Hank, and Hope all get dusted. Scott is stuck in the quantum realm and is there for five years, you know. So whatever he was already down there, he was surviving for the five years, which probably was like five hours for him. And, you know, obviously we ha- we see all that plays out in Endgame. But there was no there was no fear in Janet's eyes to go into the quantum realm at that point. And again, <laughs> you know, that was to help ghosts and find ghost particles. So the, the, the thing is, again, with continuity, they didn't even think about Kang probably at that point when they made him in the Wasp. I mean, that was back in like, what, 2018 or something. So this is all way before they even have Phase 4 and Phase 5 maybe mapped out. But now, like, the movie starts and Cassie's like, yeah, I have this uh, beacon and, like, we can, like, look for anything down in the quantum room. Cassie's like, yeah, this, like, it, we can, like, see anything down. It's like a map. And if someone, like, receives it and then instantly Janet's like, don't turn it off. We cannot go in there. You know, there's this fear. And actually, I will say the character trait for Janet was the strongest character of the like hero side of uh-huh, this film yeah because there's so much mixed emotions like michelle pfeiffer did really well in this movie of playing like she was this badass that survived her 30 years in the quantum realm she made friends she made relationships she knew who kang was like there was true fear like she meets when kang lands in the quantum realm he's another being that's been exiled here and she knows that he you know, I like that there was a friendship between them, that they both tried to help each other. And then she sees through a vision connected to his cool time traveling chair that, no, he is this manipulative conqueror who has decimated thousands of people and all this stuff. So her like real fear and real like, you know, I love how the whole beginning, they never say Kang. It's just like, you know, everyone's like, they're going to go to him. He knows we're here. Like, you know, the conqueror. 
I love how they really set up this like yeah the conqueror. Yeah. They set up the power this character has that he's not someone you want to mess with and that they should really fear him. And even the guards, the guards did look like the guards to me looked like um, knockoffs of Aquaman. Like remember the guards in Aquaman who had like the water <laughs> yeah. thing? Like they looked like just like that, a little bit of Tron. But they do set up like okay, you need to fear this person. And even the point, yeah, we get our Bill Murray cameo, uh, Kylar, who is now Lord Kylar, whatever, and he uh, he obviously had relationships with Janet in the past, and um, it was fun to see Bill Murray. He didn't really get to do much. Again, it was like a five-minute scene, and then he's out. So, again, much more of like a cameo role, but even he's been bought by Kang now. He's been persuaded by to join Kang's side and almost gives them up. Kind of our first big action sequence, and uh, yeah, they do with all the zaniness going on. They they did set up the element to fear this character of all the characters, like between our five main heroes. Janet had the most like fun to watch and growth because she was now in her element, means she survived there before. Everyone else was kind of eh. Even Scott, I feel like I felt bad for Paul Rudd. I felt like in the beginning, like especially when he was captured by all the people, it was like. Oh, what what am I doing here? What what is this? I don't know. And it's like drink the blood. Then he can hear everything, and then it's just like goofiness, like the the hands wiping the blood off. That character to me was not very funny. And that's the same. That is David Dasmalshen who plays that character of Veb. So at least he's included in this. But it was like, yeah, I, I, it it toes this line of like, is this a serious threat or are we going to be goofy, goofy, goofy? And that also plays into when Kang is trying to hunt these people down. Yeah, we do get our. This is very much of a comic thing to, for the fans, have this character, try to make it work with the Ant-Man trilogy, but we do get MODOK in here. Yes, who is, uh, in this, you know, as we've seen the same vein of, like, Taskmaster and, and all that, um, Corey Stoll comes back, Darren Cross, who, if anyone remembers, should remember, if you're an MCU fan, um, Yellow Jacket, and, you know, Scott seemingly killed him, which always happens. If you think you've killed them, they're not dead. Red They're Skull. Uh, so he he comes he comes back and he's this Modok, which is really a kind of a weird character already. It's floating head with small hands and arms, and Modok, which is a machine uh, only designed for killing, um, which would be Modok. <laughs> this could have been just a great straight up just insane character because especially with Darren's character, he was started he was very unhinged already, and he wasn't really comedic and goofy. Mm -hmm. So for him to have been warped into this this thing of Modoc, it would have been great to have him just be bad for for bad sake, just to add to Kang's level of like mm -hmm. craziness. But he was just this goofy, like every time, kind of like how <laughs> when Venom and 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 uh, Spider Man three kept taking off, it's yeah. just mm -hmm, yeah. keep the Venom, keep your helmet on every time he did it. CGI was really bad; it was awkward. I didn't really. Yeah, and he just had these goofy lines, like. He's supposed to be a killing machine, which he does have this really cool, you know, his his suit can make him travel really fast. He has all these guns and weapons, and he's got, like, these saws, and, like, he does have all this tech to him. But. Yeah, it's, it's like, are you trying to be, do you work for King and are you trying to kill these people? Or are you like buddy, buddy, because you used to work with these people and it, it toes the line too much. And it was just, it was just stupid. Um, especially the ending with him. He's like, 
at least I died in adventure. And then Scott's yeah. like, you were always a brother yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, you were a brother to me. I was like, what? Like, no, he wasn't at all. And I, I would have almost preferred they had just made his face look more like in the comic accurate, where it's more scrunchy with like a lot more, you know, um, wrinkles and things. And, you know, because that's what the mask kind of did. But I could see why they wanted to include the character. And again, with the the, the trilogy aspect of like, let's bring back that character. And, you know, it kind of makes sense. But um, I mean, eventually they're all captured. And they, yeah, they, they do get to meet Kang. And Jonathan Majors is the uh, reason to see this film. He is. Yeah, or, or see it again, for sure. Or see it again. <laughs> he is thrilling. He is exciting. He He's in his own movie. Um, which we've seen many times in the MCU. Sometimes the villain is just so good humor and stuff going on. He is a real threat. And it's not like a, oh, they're just saying he's a threat. No, he is the threat. He is a no-mess man. He wants to get out. He wants to conquer. And there is a rage underneath this 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 man. I mean, the way he 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 seems so in control all the time. And so when he does have moments where things don't go his way or he's been fighting it's pretty powerful and really he's he's playing it smart he's like look janet almost destroyed this this power device that powers his time machine ship and continuing the ant-man thing about scott is a thief you know that's what he used to do he's like look yeah. if you can go in shrink yourself down and then grow to get this device to back to power. I won't kill your daughter. And like, that's that already right there. This whole movie is much more. I yeah. think why, why wasp was kind of put in the back burner is because this really is about Scott and Cassie. This is a movie about father and daughter. It's not really about hope, which is unfortunate because again, she's in the title because it's called an Ant-Man Quantumania or Ant-Man and Kane Quantumania. But he's like, I'm going to kill her if you don't, yeah, do this. And this was kind of a cool trippy scene where Scott goes in to do this thing and this is part you see in the trailers where once he starts doing it, multiple versions of him start happening because it's a paradox in there of, of potential stuff. So like we see thousands of Scott Langs where this was a flaw for me and my, my brother pointed this out we were all talking about last night is we get one version of Scott who is the Baskin Robbins, Scott Lang. <laughs> yeah. But that's the only variant. Everyone else is just Ant Man in a suit. There could have been multiple versions of Ant Man they could have done. They could, they've, this is where like the money could have been on the screen. And again, it's just a thousand of Ant Man in his suit. We could have had a lot more variation. Where's baby Ant Man? Where's old man? Like, there's just so much they could have done. But it was a cool visual scene of him trying to get this thing to to get fixed. And literally kind of like he almost like ants where they kind of climb up and use each other as kind of like a, yeah. a tower, which was it was kind of a cool nod to the to the ants, um, which is which I mean, great. the whole movie, I was thinking they're going to have to use ants at some point in this film. Right. Because it is Ant-Man. And that's kind of the thing is um, which they do. We'll get that at the end. But um, when this all gets fixed, it's like, OK, we you know, again, Janet's like really telling him, like, we can't let him get out. Kang will, you know, and the, and the thing is, when the movie, there's like three chapters, people, it's like the intro chapter. We get sucked into the quantum realm. Well, this place is weird. Oh, there's someone to fear. 
chapter two, we get kidnapped by Kang. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill your daughter. And then you do this heist, all this stuff. And then the third chapter is just like all out crazy war. Yeah. Like psycho war. Like this is where it's like Aquaman, like the end of Aquaman. Remember how the, like it was just crazy. That's what this movie became. It becomes crazy. Yeah. High end. Just war. Modoc's chasing Cassie down and she's dealing with him. And then Hank does have the ants come in and like, we had these ants in the beginning that now are all like supersized and he's got like a thousand ants and like it's just like crazy again the people that are in the quantum realm don't really care for them didn't have any like attachment to them but they do fight we do get to see king actually fight and jonathan majors did look really cool i mean i love that they do not only does his suit look great he does have this kind of like mask that goes over him protective shield and it is like it gives the yeah, blue which is a good nod to the comics yeah yeah but he got to do some really cool powers and i think it was just a tease like some of those moments yeah. was so great i love it. one of the best lines in that movie like i am king <laughs> and i was like i cheered and he's got these basically the incinerate people these beams mm. come out of his hands and i'm like dude and that, that is a good villain when you get in like you know what classic thanos fine i'll do it myself mm. he gets his hands dirty uh literally and i think that was one of my favorite moments i wanted more of kang just kicking ass because he was like literally just annihilating stuff and you know then he has this point where he's fighting the heroes it's like okay we've got the we got the two ant people and we've mm. got the wasp and he's of course he's kicking their butts and then of course deus ox Antima, uh, you know, Hank, you know, just been kind of hanging out with his little earpiece all day, you know, malfunctioning. He comes in riding with his little armada of ants, which was kind of cool, but it was like, okay. And then these ants basically save the day. And then they basically annihilate King, which, which was kind of messed up. And we talked about this where I know we have all these supposed, you know, there's going to be, and we can talk about this a little post-credit thing. There's going to be multiple. The thing about mm-hmm. Kang is there's many of him, but he was just defeated way too easily in the scene. He like, well, you know, these ants take him out. And Mo- it was like the ants start surrounding <laughs> him, like, what? and he's got the shield going on. And then Modok comes in, and he he's able to put his face into the shield, and he's like, "I'm not a dick." And <laughs> Kang even looks to them like, and he blasts him, and then the ants just kind of like carry him off. So you think like, oh, that we did it. We stopped Kang from uh, from escaping. And Modok dies in a very stupid fashion. And then they get to the the main room and they're trying to get this thing to work so that they can get their portal home. And Janet's like, we have like one chance. And then Janet goes in, Hope goes in, Hank goes in, Cassie goes in. And right as Hank, right as Cassie about to go in, Kang is still alive and shoots Scott. So then we get what we saw in the trailer, this 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 final stand between Scott and Kang and he doesn't really have his tech anymore. So this is just Kang showing his brutality of a fighter. And again, John the Majors is very strong. He's very in shape. Hello, Creed 3, right around the corner. <laughs> uh, you know, he's he's awesome with this fight scene. And clearly Scott is not the strongest fighter. We've always known that from the Avengers. He's not Captain America. Captain America versus Kang, something different. Uh, but that's not happening anytime soon. He starts getting his ass whooped, and he. I love that line. It's like, um, you know, did you really think that you could win? He's like, I don't have to win. We both just have to lose. And he destroy. He he has those him you know little things, the red and the blue. So he 
he chunks that onto the orb and hope comes out of the portal one last time and starts shooting Kang. And then he gets sucked into this orb thing. So it feels like he's dead, but we know that he's not dead because you can't just have this character. He just, in a, he just, he just fur, further into the quantum. I mean, realm. also that might be the case. Um, they go back to earth and, uh, and we kind of have a mirror opening scene where, Paul Rudd is walking down the street and everything seems fine. And actually what I really enjoyed was the dialogue of, and he's like talking in his head. He's like, well, you know, I just saved the world from this evil, you know, King down in the quantum realm, but we did, we did destroy him. He is dead. Right. But he also said, if I didn't kill him, that something really bad was going to happen. Ah, I'm sure it's fine. Like, I love the humor of like, he's now in his head thinking like, wait, did we do this? Did we not? Because, it wasn't very clear. Yeah. And the movie leaves off with like, okay, we don't really know what's happened. And also, did Scott's timeline change? Did his own timeline change now that Kang has been destroyed? What might have happened? Then we yes, we get the mid-credit scene. The mid-credit scene was pretty awesome. I mean, my audience was being real dicks. Everyone was laughing and talking <laughs> through it. So I didn't really get to hear much about it. So I just kind of saw it. But um, we have clearly the Council of Kings, and then we have the huge like auditorium of like all these King variants, and they're all celebrating that the Conqueror is dead. So clearly, there's a joy because remember, King himself tells Janet that he was exiled to the quantum realm. He was sent there because he wanted to conquer. So I think there's going to be a great scene at some point where the Conqueror shows up and is pissed that all these kings are celebrating you know clearly he's not dead like he's got to be somewhere um and then the post credit scene we do have a little this is more like a little tease for loki season two um that jonathan majors will have another variant in loki season two i'm not sure if he's going to be see I don't, what i don't understand is are all the kings supposed to be bad or are they just different variants and he's really the only bad one you know so what would i see again this is it depends on comic and movie, but what I what I take it as from Loki season one, we introduced this variant. He said some of us are good, some of us are bad. Mm-hmm. And whether the one from Loki was the one who won the war, you know, he was, you know, and then this is a Kang. And then I've heard tell that this character that's teasing Loki season two, he's actually Kang who goes back in time because he's from the 31st century. And he uses his knowledge to gain wealth and gain power. Mm. And that, so there's a lot of different stuff, but uh, it definitely, this film with Loki coming up and everything, it's definitely put a really big uh, stamp on Kang as a threat and something so different from Thanos, Killmonger, all these other ones. Again, the standout is Kang, um, Jonathan Majors' character and him playing all these different versions was just certainly a highlight and it's got me really that part alone has got me very excited for the future yeah i think the possibilities are endless with this character and i mean he who remains at the end of loki was so thrilling for this character that really just had like this long monologue and was just very shakespearean then to see fully realized king the conqueror and really just a taste i think we're gonna see him really off the hinges if he's even crazier and then all these possible variants i mean you know, we have we have Avengers, the King Dynasty, and Avengers Secret Wars down the line in a couple of years, and I think building the blocks to that, and potentially introducing Doctor Doom, and the two of them being a pair, maybe also slash rivals, 
uh, I think can be very interesting. So at the end of the day, I look at this movie as Ant-Man 3 was a vehicle to introduce Kang the Conqueror. It wasn't really an Ant-Man movie, although it had Ant-Man elements. It had the characters and there were ants <laughs> and there was some dumb humor. <laughs> I think a big miss was not having the full original crew from the first two movies. Yeah. Um, I think some of those characters would have done really well in the quantum realm for the hilarity. You know, I know they couldn't get uh, T.I. I think was unavailable, but I mean, David Dalsamachan does play one of these characters and then I have Michael Pina. I mean, this would have been a great movie at the end to be like, yo, man, so let me tell you. So like we went to the quantum realm and there was this dude down there. Right. And he had like a thing like that would have been a great even if that is a mid credit scene. That yeah. would have been funny to have like him wrap up, you know. Yeah, have him instead of like a callback to the intro, have that as like, yeah. but uh, I, I agree. And I think what have made this film better is cutting a lot of the humor out and having higher stakes. Uh, they were really afraid to kill somebody, kill any major and characters. Like, at this point, like we don't, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. They should have taken someone out. We don't need Janet or Hank anymore. Like, honestly, no. when Michael Douglas showed up on the screen and he had the earpiece, I thought he was so old that... They were feeding him his lines. Like, I couldn't tell what that earpiece was for. <laughs> it's been a while since we've seen him, yeah. It was like an hour 20 in the movie where he does this, and he's like, I can hear the ants. I was like, oh, that's his ant receiver. I was like, what? I was like, is he, does he have a hearing aid now? I was like, I couldn't tell. Um, and he's even said, if there's going to be a fourth Ant-Man movie, kill him off. Yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm ready to be done. And I think that would have given some more stakes. If Kang would have killed someone and still been defeated, that would have been interesting. Or he escapes to another realm or who knows what. So we'll see where we see uh, Kang next, uh, whether in a film or, again, we have Loki season two to look forward to later this year. But for all the, the good stuff and with the mix with the bad, and man, it just kind of sits at like that C-plus kind of ranking for me. Uh, so it's going to be like a 7 out of 10. Yeah, I'm going to go 7 out of 10. And you can check out Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania yourselves. Tell us what you thought. Pop in the comments. Always curious to know. And that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.